Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What is the most hated word in fantasy football? It's regression. The term that often exists in this hypothetical of how a player who was really good last year should have actually scored fewer points for your fantasy team. Or conversely, a player who often frustrated you with so many down weeks and de- and bad performances uh, may have, in fact, just been unlucky. So, Hayden, you often bring up regression both positively and negatively. Before we do anything else, I just want to know, what is this model What are people supposed to react to and interpret when the word regression is brought up with players in fantasy football and points scored? So regression is a big math fancy term, but basically it's like in a smaller sample, things can get wonky. But over the long term, players are going to get back to the median of what they should be expected to score based off how close they are to the end zone, how close they are to the sideline, a bunch of different factors. My model, I figured out what matters, which doesn't. But this chart kind of gives you a good example. Like there's a, a wider gap between how players can be underperforming or overperforming on the smaller sample. But as you get more targets, all the players start getting closer to this midline over here. So that's kind of an example of how regression works, just using uh, touchdowns and deep targets are the two primary things because I want to be looking at, okay, touchdowns are important. A pass downfield is also important to fantasy, but it's crazy volatile. So I don't care about like rushing yards over expected because like rushing yards, not going to really move the needle all that much, but a player going from three touchdowns when he should have scored seven, all of a sudden, like that's a lot of fantasy points over the course of the season. So today we're going to look at the small sample things, touchdowns, deep targets, but they're also very value, valuable for fantasy. So we have to actually use a regression model to kind of figure this stuff out. Yeah, Hayden has written three separate columns. You can check them out in the description down below and receiving touchdowns for wide receiver slash tight ends, rushing scores, and also deep targets slash deep catches. Uh, just quickly, this model isn't on like an individual basis, right? It's basically um, an arch- it, it, It's Comparing to the average, right? And we, we talk about all the time with these players, their different skill sets, their different archetypes. So some that might have outperformed others, that just might be because they're just better at football. The model is trained to say this is what the average player in an average offense would score based off of the usage he gets. So like if, a, if he was thrown a target from the four yard line, how often would a average NFL player and average offense actually score a touchdown versus how many actually scored? Right. So we know like what, why I like using it this way is I know Tyree kill is going to outperform my model. George kill is going to outperform my model. And there's going to be other players. Deontay Johnson is always going to underperform my model. But even with that said there, the elite players can go way beyond what they should have done. Even contextualizing that they are very good. And then on the flip side, like there'll be some seasons where like Julio Jones didn't have any touchdowns. You're like, okay, maybe one of these years, Julio Jones should have had, nine touchdowns so like this stuff kind of evens out we'll get to all of it yeah and i think the other goal here because we're not the only show that talks about regression obviously Mm -hmm. is to maybe dive into some of those individual examples and talk through if it's actually beneficial to take that number on face value because you'll be 
hearing it a lot this summer as reasons why or why not to take a player. And again, I think looking at it from an individual basis rather than just an at-large de facto value uh, has some benefits to it as well. Okay, why don't we start with receiving touchdowns for wide receivers? Very important, six points. Um, You already outlined how you kind of come up with the expected touchdown number. So why don't we jump into maybe first the ones who like totally outperformed uh, on this list. So names like Devonte Adams, Tyler Lockett, AJ Brown, Jahan Dotson, and Jalen Waddle. I mean, just looking at this, reading the table, Devonte Adams had five more touchdowns than expected. Yeah. Devonte Adams probably on average finishes with two to three more touchdowns than average. So I think that he's probably not going to score 14 touchdowns again. That's my model said he should have scored eight right now. I think that's probably what we should be expecting. So last year's numbers will come down. And then on top of that, Derek Carr, is he going to be performing differently than what Jimmy G is this year as well? So the model is basically saying Devontae Adams probably this year going to have eight touchdowns, nine touchdowns, which still makes him a wide receiver one. But is he going to be in the same group as like Cooper Cup, for example? Probably not. A.J. Brown caught my attention on here. He scored 11 touchdowns last year. His expected touchdowns was at 7.1. Um, and your reasoning stood out to me as well because – while he outperformed in that raw touchdown number, I would say the scenarios and the environments that he scored them in might actually work in our benefit here and change this year. Whereas the Eagles are so dominant last year and so run heavy at times that that might've limited him uh, to just again, those seven touchdown scored opportunities yet he scored 11. So if this year, if the Eagles are worse or their opponents are just better and more competitive, that might actually equal itself out. Perfect example of he wasn't playing some fourth quarters and there was so many goal line touchdowns that were based off of runs. If that flips at all, AJ Brown's expected touchdowns can go way through the roof. He's another player where he dunks on a model every single year. And I know that going on that. So uh, you make adjustments after doing that. So I think that AJ Brown has as good of odds of any wide receiver to lead the position in receiving touchdowns this year. So that's part of him being very good. It's he's already supposed to score like in the eight that's based off of the Eagles finishing at the 25th or whatever in past attempts. If that's closer to 16th because the defense is worse, now we're really cooking. Yeah, and I just think that that's the perfect example of how a regression model can say, hey, maybe your expectation should be lowered for A.J. Brown. But then again, in this example, we're not taking exactly what happened in 2022 into 2023 because there are going to be changes unilaterally for that team. Yep. And um, he's just so good that, hey, just a – higher throwing environment likely means that he probably eclipses or reaches the same number of touchdowns he scored last season. Similar player, but somebody I actually have some concerns about, it would be like Jalen Waddle. So Jalen Waddle scored just as many fantasy, fantasy points over expected as A.J. Brown did. Jalen Waddle is very good. The difference is, is Jalen Waddle only had 4.4 expected touchdowns last year. He's going in the second round, like what, 12 picks after A.J. Brown. That's a pretty wide gap that he has to overcome because the Dolphins just don't throw the ball in the red zone right. as much as the Eagles will as as well. So I think that's some of the contextual things where even though Tyrell or uh, Jalen Waddle and AJ Brown look like they are at the same spot, I have more confidence that AJ Brown's going to get red zone looks compared to like Jalen Waddle. And can we also scroll down to some of the stuff that you wrote on Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase, who are the top two picks right now in best ball leagues over on underdog fantasy. I mean, Justin Jefferson scored 2.4 fewer touchdowns than expected on his usage last year. And the Jamar chase, you wrote that if he played all 17 regular season games, he was on pace for 11.6 expected scores. Yeah. If I actually had to make a bet, who's going to lead the NFL and receiving touchdowns this year, it would 
be Jamar Chase. That's where he was uh, on pace for. But it is shocking to see Justin Jefferson on the underperforming side of this. He had, what, like 184 targets or whatever it was, and he just didn't run that hot in touchdowns. Now, we'll get to the deep targets. He was running hot on the deep targets, which just makes this so confusing because usually like, and it's like a targets, balancing act, right? Like some of the right? deep targets might go away, but then more touchdowns are scored. So then it get, levels itself out. The model saying that Justin Jefferson's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's one way of putting it. Uh, okay. Why don't we jump to the opposite end of here? The people who quote unquote underperformed. And uh, I don't know if you twisted the numbers, but there is Deontay Johnson, one of your favorite players. It is crazy. He scored zero touchdowns last year, despite in your model, he should have had 6.7. Negative 6.7 is a shocking number, even accounting for Deontay Johnson's kind of historic inefficiencies. He's also majorly positive regression candidate when it comes to the deep targets as well. And it's not even just like a Kenny Pickett or Steelers situation because like George Pickens and Pat Firemuth, they both performed well versus this stuff. Just Deontay was so bad last year. This is to me so obvious where let's say he's scored seven, eight touchdowns this next year. I wouldn't be completely shocked by that just because one, he's so due for positive regression, even though he's probably gonna be a below baseline player. But two, like the Steelers offense, they will just have more projected points this year than they did last year, just because the offense is young. So Deontay Johnson right now, I have not been a fan of Deontay Johnson for the last couple of years. It's been an up and down roller coaster this year. I'm in like this price tag is like the wide receiver, like 36. Everything is going up even if he had last year's numbers which was shocking he would still be like kind of in this range any positive regression for Deontay is going to be very welcomed zero touchdowns is leaving a nasty taste in drafters mouths right now Ian pointed out that George Pickens on his own team and having like 20 something fewer targets once Kenny Pickett took over is going as wide receiver 36 obviously people expect a second year breakout Yada, yada. Meanwhile, Deontay Johnson is going three wide receiver spots after, despite outperforming him. And again, throwing up here the theoretical 6.7 touchdowns scored last year at wide receiver 39. So three spots after. Um, Again, I know one guy is all flash and not so much substance yet in George Pickens. And while Deontay Johnson can be frustrating, but man, it's, it's pretty easy to believe that can be a value this year. Yep. All in on Deontay. All right. What about the rest of that list in terms of underperforming anyone else that you want to point out? Because like there are some random names in there, but then there's like Depot Samuel, who the year before was like going crazy and completely broke your models, not just on red zone touchdowns, but also 20 plus yard plays. And then last year, he actually underperformed it. Yeah, Debo is like the perfect person to kind of look at, like a good player that ran too hot the year previous, and then last year was way worse than what you would expect him to be. So he's another person where I was not buying the high cost after he ran hot last year, but I'm going to buy the dip on Debo Samuel. The other name I kind of just want to throw out there is Tyler Lockett. He's been so dominant uh, versus my model historically, but even last year was probably doing it a little bit too much. He had like four more touchdowns than what you would expect on his usage. Now throwing JSN his age. Now you can start seeing where the efficiency stuff could actually uh, fall out from underneath him this next next season. Before we move on from uh, receiving touchdowns, do you want to touch on tight ends real quick? Yep. Um, it's always fascinating to me when a great player scores almost exactly how many touchdowns they were expected to. And guess who's at the top of that list? It's Travis Kelsey. 11.7 expected touchdowns. He scored 12. Uh, the name that stood out also was Cole Komet because Cole Komet was, let's just say, from a competition environment last year in this cleanest situation, playing a ton of snaps, 
albeit maybe the Bears didn't throw a lot in the red zone towards the opening half of the season. But he's certainly not going to score 3.7 touchdowns over expectation again this year. No, yeah, he was only supposed to score 3.3 of them. And a lot of them came in like a two-week sample. I would be very uh, surprised if Cole Komet had the same season as he had last year. It's not even just uh, DJ Moore. It's Chase Claypool for a full season. And uh, Robert Tunyon, I think, is going to mix in a little bit as well. And I, I don't think that Cole Komet, just watching him, this is like where like watching plus doing the film or having a model makes sense. I don't see Cole Komet as an above model player. So I think that the regression would come at him harder than it would for somebody like, like Kittle, like George Kittle. And but now I will say George Kittle had he's supposed to score six. He scored yeah. 11. That's yeah. a lot like we're, to be fair. And it is funny, like in previous years, all five of them or six of them before George Kittle's touchdowns were right about four or six every single year. And the last year he broke out for 11. And my model would always say, like, he scored two fewer touchdowns than expected. And then we knew that never made sense. George Kittle should be scoring touchdowns. So that would be the concern with George Kittle this year is he ran super pure on touchdowns, especially late in the season when it mattered most for these best ball tournaments. I would be surprised if George Kittle had 11 touchdowns. He probably has seven or something like that. And this is a perfect explanation with Travis Kelsey. Like, Travis Kelsey, like, he was just... (laughs) Model average. He just was really good at, at earning this. So I don't think that George Kittle is light years better than Travis Kelsey. So if, if the regression was working for Travis Kelsey, I don't see why the regression wouldn't be coming for George Kittle a little bit. Quickly, anyone on the opposite end of this? I know David and Joku uh, performed uh, under expectation. And we've already talked about on the tight end show on the five players you need to draft with Jared Smola that, I mean, he led all tight ends in the NFL with 28% of his team's red zone opportunities. Yeah. Ninjoku and Fryermuth are both kind of on that tight end one, two border. Both of them performed over two touchdowns worse than what you would have expected. Some positive regression from them would get them closer to that. Let's say George Kittle, TJ Hawkinson tier where they're not that much different. It just touchdowns ran bad. I, I will say Tyler Higby has been somebody that's gone all over the place historically with this. He's probably like an average starting tight end somewhere about that. Tyler Higby scored 3.7 fewer touchdowns than expected. He was actually almost supposed to score seven of them. Keep in mind, that is a Rams offense that was terrible late in the season. If Matthew Stafford, the offensive line, Cooper Cup comes back, there's a chance that Tyler Higby is going to get more just expected touchdowns because the offense is going to get better. So Tyler Higby is one of these kind of late round guys. But I like Ninjoku, Frymuth, and Higby right now partially because of the model. I'm going to be someone from the YouTube comments right now and ask you a question. How can someone score 3.7 touchdowns? Well, that's uh, over, over time. It's going to be just like if this we did this for five years, it would be he would be about one, one difference. So, I mean, yeah, it 0.7. We, we can round if you guys want it's me an to average. Round. Yeah, it's an average. It's, it's an, an average. average. That, that, that's why it doesn't have to be just full numbers or whole numbers every single time. It's basically the question I'm asking. Yes. And there's also a study on if you put too many decimal points, people's brains just go like, I don't see it. It's yeah. too much. So for those doing data stuff, don't put so many damn decimals. Like nobody cares. No one's saying that like, he should have scored 3.644 touchdowns. Like just keep it round. Before we move any further, you know, you can draft on underdog fantasy right now. It is the home of best ball. Still best ball mania for going strong. We've changed up this year, have more regular season prize pool money uh, to make it an even more exciting and interesting game. If you've never played best ball, Now's the time to do so. You can click the link in the description down below and we will match your first deposit 
up to $100. And maybe like the best way of doing it is just sit in one of these sit and goes, one of these like $5, $10 entries and just try it out for the first time. Because I know you are going to enjoy it once you do it once and you want to draft all summer long. Okay. Have you ever been on vacation after a long day of activities or sightseeing? You have a night in room service, bathrobes, and television or movies. And when you're in a foreign country, you scroll Netflix or Hulu or whatever streaming service you have, and you realize that the library of content there is so much larger than it is in the United States. You start a new show, a new series, and when you get back home, you realize you now have to find that on a different service or pay for it in a different way. That is where Surfshark comes in. It's a VPN service that lets you virtually travel the world with a tap of a finger. You can go to Spain, Canada, Costa Rica to watch the content available in those countries. So you can try Surfshark today, totally risk-free with a 30-day money-back guarantee. And get Surfshark VPN at surfshark.deals underdog or enter promo code underdog for three extra months for free. You heard me right, three extra months for free. That is surfshark.deals slash underdog. Uh, next up, I'm going to do rushing touchdowns. Let's do it. Since we're on this six-point kick, talk to me about some of the players at the top of the list in terms of reaching over expectation for touchdown score. Yeah, so let's start at the very top. Like Jamal Williams was, was supposed to score 15.2 touchdowns because he had so many goal line opportunity so he's somebody he scored 17 so he wasn't that crazy like he didn't like run so pure versus what he would was supposed to score but this is how regression could get you in trouble he's not gonna score 17 dozen because he's not gonna get the same exact use so he got lucky in that stance uh austin eckler scored the most touchdowns and had the most expected touchdowns last year because his role is so amazing the person that actually overperformed the model was Tony Pollard. Tony Pollard scored almost five touchdowns more than what the model would have expected. Next up would be Nick Chubb and Derek Henry. But Tony Pollard is somebody where, yes, the model thinks that he's going to regress a little bit, but his role is also going to change. So he's kind of like the inverse of Jamal Williams, where, yes, he ran a little pure versus what the model is expecting, but he's going to have more goal line opportunities because Zeke Elliott himself had 10.2 expected touchdowns. So if Tony right. Pollard gets some of Zeke's expected touchdowns, we're really talking about somebody that can have like a top three overall finish. Yeah, let, let's dive into some of these individual players because I think that was more interesting on this column than the actual table was. Like you said, Tony Pollard is almost – it's not like the conversation we have A.J. Brown earlier, but you can't just take the regression number at face value because, again, the environment changes. It's not just a change in play caller and offensive coordinator. Uh, it's also just a total departure of the dude that has been living on short uh, yardage rushing touchdowns in previous years. So, like – while the big plays might dip, he might just have more opportunities to go along with it, and it might bounce itself out or counteract. I think Tony Pollard could be on pace for like an Austin Eckler type of role where Austin Eckler is not completely dunking on my model, but he's getting the best usage possible. That's what the Cowboys offense could provide. And the other one here I wanted to discuss was Nick Chubb as well, because Dog. he scored 3.4 over his expectation. And as you wrote, like, it's different this year because Kareem Hunt is no longer on the roster. And Kareem Hunt had 
around seven expected touchdowns last season. So more than I would have guessed, right? Right. Way more because we all thought Kareem Hunt stunk last year and the Browns agreed. And so just departing those opportunities and giving them over to Nick Chubb again is going to help balance itself out. And again, is one reason why you and I absolutely love where he's going on underdog right now. Yeah. Nick Chubb's such a layup in the second round. Like I, I, I still truly cannot believe that he's going where he is. He's basically locked into top five touchdown scored at the position if he stays healthy. Yeah. And I, I there's there'd be a <laughs> That's chance. That's pretty simple. And th- this could be the year where he scores 22 and next is like at 15. Like th- this could be a total asking. Nick Chubb's full Chubb this year. Yeah. And Nick Chubb, again, right now is going, gosh, I have to scroll down, 21st overall. That's actually like that string of running back or quarterbacks, I should say. And who we just talked about in Jalen Waddle as well. Um, I would wager that Nick Chubb is going to score – a bunch more touchdowns this year than Jalen Waddle. Uh, I, yeah, it's going to be like 16. Yeah. Uh, can we talk about Travis Etienne as well? Because Etienne scored 5.6 fewer touchdowns than expected last season. That was the worst mark among all running backs last season by a pretty considerable margin. Yeah, it really was a disappointing season in that regard. And you kind of look at this either way where I he will score more touchdowns this next year, just point blank period that's how regression works but it's also this is evidence of why the jaguars this entire offseason were going out of their way to try to find a power complement they ended up having that in tank bigsby so i would not be surprised if travis Etienne has a borderline rb1 finish but tank bigsby gets mixed in at the goal line a couple more times over the course of season than you expect i think Etienne's okay at his price tag i'm not like super excited to draft him there but i think that's where i would be valuing him it felt like the Jaguars were forced to use Travis Etienne in ways last year they didn't want to long term in terms of giving him, you know, 22 or 26 opportunities in games and especially near the goal line. And like you said, I think they looked for maybe an archetype or a size or a prototype to uh, complement that. A couple more single players I wanted to focus in on Najee Harris, uh, because as you wrote, it didn't feel like it. But Najee was the running back six in expected touchdowns last year. He certainly didn't get to that mark, but maybe he will this year based on just improvements to the offense in general. Yeah, that it's super interesting because he's getting the work down there and it's just more work than you would expect him to get because the Steelers were so bad. So it's like kind of the same thing with the Deontay Johnson conversation. They're going to get down there in that area more often. So touchdowns, there will be more touchdowns scored by the Pittsburgh Steelers or all hell is broken loose there and I think that Najee Harris while Jalen Warren does mix in a little bit Jalen Warren was also one of the very worst in goal line situations last year so I keep hearing this rhetoric that Jalen Warren's gonna like take too many snaps away from Najee Harris I mean come on like that was never supposed to happen Najee is a first round pick that's they're gonna keep him in that spot two more Joe Mixon he scored actually basically four fewer touchdowns than expected last year despite having the third most expected touchdowns uh, right now, he's in this really weird, I'm not going to say predicament, but in drafts, he's still out there so freaking late. And that's not even factoring in Samaji P Ryan and his five expected touchdowns scored last season. Like again, with how the Bengals have operated this off season, I'd be shocked if Joe Mixon isn't there top and same running back as he was last year. And we aren't drafting him anywhere close to that. Mixon is like the ADP that makes no sense to me at this point. We should assume that 
the Bengals are going to keep him. They're not going to bring in any true competition around him. And he has a double slingshot effect that you said. He scored four fewer touchdowns than what the model said based on his usage last year. His usage is going to go up because Samaj P. Ryan also had a bunch of projected scores himself. So he can go from nine, which he had last year, back into the 15-16 range because of regression and competition. Uh, so, yeah, Joe Mixon, there is some risk, obviously, associated with him but there could be a double slingshot effect. And, and Joe Mixon has run very hot in touchdowns yeah. previously, so it's not that shocking. Right now, Mixon, again, an underdog right now. This is how the people are drafting him as running back 1962 overall. Gosh. That's after J.K. Dobbins at running back 18 and uh, 56 overall, and just ahead of Damian Pierce, one spot ahead. Uh, we'll finish out this running back talk and touchdown mm-hmm. talk with Alexander Madison because while Joe Mixon seems like he is firmly in the plans of the Bengals, Reading between the tea leaves and the lines, it doesn't sound like that is the case with Dalvin Cook in his future with Minnesota. So what should that mean for someone like Alexander Madison? If you combine Dalvin Cook and Alexander Madison's expected touchdowns, it would be at 16.7. That's because the Vikings offense is very good. So unless That's a lot he, of touchdowns that unless he are unaccounted McBride, for. <laughs> yeah, Dwayne McBride or Ty Chandler or your boy Ken A., are going to score more touchdowns. I don't know, man. Alexander Madison, aside from Joe Mixon, seems like an absolute smash yeah. at his ADP. Yeah, and that ADP right now is running back 28, 86 overall. And ladies and gentlemen, this is why you should be drafting on Underdog Fantasy and in Best Ball right now. Did I mention the link is in the description down below? Okay. Should we close out with deep targets? Um, yep. These are the fun plays that everyone loves. I don't have too many notes on this. Um where do you want to start? Because, I mean, Justin Jefferson, as we talked about, ran pure here, ran hot, but not so much on touchdowns. Tyreek Hill, I didn't see like the same number of like huge, massive, big plays of 40 plus yards like we saw the Kansas City Chiefs, but he had a lot of like 20, 21, 22 yard catches um, last season. So at least in that regard, that isn't going to change his standing in this model. Yeah, it was just nice to see that he was only behind Devontae Adams in the amount of deep targets he had despite Tua's arm being fractional of what Mahomes is. It's just a usage thing. They ran so many skinny posts with him that he was so deadly on them. The the two or three kind of names that really stuck out to me is, once again, Deontay Johnson was well below expectations on these. We don't have to get into that conversation. But it's the Kyle Pitts one. Like he had right. 19 deep targets. He caught three of them last year. That's basically as bad as you could possibly get. And we know that Kyle Pitts, it, with an average quarterback, would probably be an above average player. So if we get any regression there, things can completely change his outlook. Yeah. And for you, that's 15 plus air yards. And even if you look at just 20 plus air yards, he caught one of 14. And that is Brutal. an individual talent. Like when you look at above, the line in the green zone, you see really good football players. And that just makes sense that they're outperforming average again in Tyreek Hill and Justin Jefferson and CeeDee Lamb and Stefan Diggs and Mike Evans. I can keep going down the list, but then you see someone as talented as Kyle Pitts and heck, I'll even say it, Brendan Ayuk, um, mm-hmm. you know, like at the underperforming stuff, that's quarterback related, I believe. Yeah, I completely agree. And Brandon Ayuk's one of these players where, this can get so fluky where he's all of a sudden over this overperforming section next year. And all of a sudden now his yards per route run has gone crazy. The other last name real quick on just yards per route run. And this is where the stat is meaningful, but people kind of take small samples and extrapolate this too far. Rashid Shahid 
he caught eight of his 10 deep targets last year, eight out of 10. The average is closer to like around 46%. So when we do all these yards per route run numbers and Rashid Shahid is looks, looks like Julio Jones. It's because he ran very pure on these deep targets. That's just not going to hold up this year. So that's like kind of the buyer beware in a small sample. Some of these players, like the first two places to look on the yards per route run outliers is deep passes to where they could just catching a bunch of them. Or was their yards after the catch insane because there's one missed tackle and all of a sudden he's, off and running so that's just like a buyer beware on Rashid Shahid love him as a little player but like these small samples that kill me sometimes Deontay is also on this list as uh, underperforming the, the box just keep on getting checked and yeah that is the smallest sample you could ever look at with Rashid Shahid and as you pointed out he finished with a plus 39 completion percentage <laughs> over expectation on those deep passes so yes while he's like a role player I don't know if we should make him anything more than that at this time until we have a larger sample size one thing, since you are a Panthers fan here, uh, Panthers analyst, I'll, I'll give you some credible middle ground that DJ Moore, he was top 10 in the amount of deep targets he got last year. I don't think people would have kind of guessed that would have been the case because he was, you know what the, and, and not to cut in, but it's kind of how the offense evolved to where they either ran the ball or they did play action off of it and kind of threw deep or they hit like that RPO pass to the flat to LaVisca Chenault. And that was like kind of what they, again, the offense evolved into. Are you worried that he's not going to be top 10 in this metric? Because I think that it's a safe assumption that he's not going to score that many touchdowns because Justin Fields probably going to throw 20-ish of them most likely. So he needs to hit on these. I'm a little bit nervous that like he was already top 10 last year and he was like, what, a wide receiver three at best? And I'm not sure if like the the environment has changed all that much. And I'm actually worried that DJ Moore could finish with 35 deep targets instead of closer to 50. I'm having a really difficult time uh projecting what dj moore is going to look like in that offense and by how he is being drafted people are having a far less difficult time if that makes sense correct they seem much more confident in his ability to translate and be a wide receiver two slash three and that offense just overall across the nfl when we talk about fantasy mm-hmm. football and i'm not sure if again i have full confidence to draft him over some of the other names that are being drafted around him yep uh, last name Gabe Davis was also like top twelve. It's just kind of crazy how his role is. He nope. was, yeah, he had so many deep targets last year. He's just, I don't know, what a weird player. Interesting. All right, I think that's going to do it. Hopefully, it. this was effective. Hopefully, it was informative. Again, just looking at a term and a word and a model and saying, oh, we have to hold this over your heads, and this means they aren't going to produce like they did this previous year, or they just got unlucky. I think, as Hayden said, using that while also watching the games and understanding who the players are in the offensive environments that they're in is where maybe the magic happens and where yes. maybe where the answers lie. And uh, Hayden, again, attempted to do that in his three columns listed down below. And I definitely did a better job writing about this stuff than speaking about <laughs> it. So go go read if you guys remember how to do that. All right. Go and check out, again, the five players Jared Smola cannot stop drafting. We've also done our tight end tiers this week. And next week, we're going to do some second-year breakouts at both wide receiver and running back. For Hayden, I am Josh. Up the bill, everyone. We'll talk to you all soon. See you.